What if everything you thought you knew about the criminal justice system and high-profile criminal cases wasn't true? What if the mainstream media was too corrupt and compromised to tell you about it? Join a veteran Buffalo City detective, a veteran Canadian Pacific Police captain, and a veteran NCIS special agent, along with special guests as they dissect the criminal justice system and high-profile criminal cases from their perspective in an unedited podcast focusing on crime, corruption, and media bias. It's Search Warrant, a new podcast coming right at you. This is Search Warrant, and we're back. This is John Snedden, a veteran NCIS special agent, and we have a uh, yeah, guest host today, Ralph Cipriano, uh, investigative reporter from Philadelphia, who spent a lot of years uh, with the uh, Los Angeles Times and the Philadelphia Inquirer, writes for the New- Newsweek, and also has his own uh, medium, which is uh, bigtrial.net, bigtrial.net. And t- today we're going to Talk again with uh, uh, Reverend Joe Staines. He is the author of the five-part series, uh, Reconsidering Sandusky, which appeared in the Tribune Democrat, a newspaper in Johnstown, PA. Uh, Reverend Joe Staines, um, the author, um, is a graduate of Duke University where he received a bachelor's degree in religion and mathematics and a master's degree in divinity. He's currently the uh, pastor at the Mount Hope United Methodist Church. And we want to focus really on uh, media bias today um, because Joe's series appeared in, uh, again, appeared in the uh, Tribute Tribute Democrat in Johnstown, PA, which, uh, you know, Johnstown has, uh, you know, it's an awesome city and all that, but it has uh, 18, the population there is 18,775. And um, Joe has previously, as we discussed previously, talked to uh, Chip Menmeyer, I guess that's mm-hmm. his name, who, uh, right, who is the uh, editor there um, and subsequently had this series uh, published, which is awesome. But uh, it was in response to some of the uh, editorials that uh, Chip had put out. And I just wanted to kind of set the tone here that the newspaper uh, serves a uh, population of 18,775 in Johnstown. And I went through some of the uh, Chip Meinmeyer's recent articles, which include the following uh, hot topics. Um, hotel openings, uh, local sports, um, high school students taking European vacations, um, youth clinics, Leonard Skinner concerts, fishing, lost class rings, playgrounds, breweries, pictures of prisons, and street closures. So, uh, you know, um, they're quite a quite a distance from the, the Penn State uh, case. Anyway, um, Joe, now you've had a, uh, you've had a lot of interaction with Mr. Uh, Minmeyer um, and, and his editor, you've read all his editorials and we've, we've read most of them. But uh, when we spoke last, uh, we didn't have an opportunity to speak about a circumstance that you had um, with one of your 
uh, either your uh, congregation or a service organization where the media was actually neutral. Can you explain that to us? Sure. Um, a, <clears throat> actually, this was very interesting because the defendant and the complainant were both at the time members of my congregation. Um, he was the the uh, businessman was accused of molesting a young girl about nine, and uh, the uh, the case was reported in the local paper, and uh, I was in the position unique position with both of them in my congregation uh, of attending the. Uh, well, the counseling session with the on the girl's behalf on one hand and being an attendant for her and attending the uh, the some of the lawyer session with the with the uh, accused and uh, I was able then to sit in on a preliminary hearing uh, where the case was presented. So that was the situation. Okay. Um, in that preliminary hearing, uh, the girl was the only witness, and she presented on behalf of the, uh, the uh, prosecution her case against him. And uh, it was uh, somewhat explicit. And uh, <clears throat> after she presented the case, uh, the courts, the the lawyers went into session and it never went any further. What they found uh, over time was that uh, the girl's testimony matched her testimony in a previous case almost verbatim. Wow. Uh, she was uh, almost certainly uh, molested in a previous case and I believe the man was uh, uh, indicted and, and uh, went to jail for it, but um, it matched, like I said, that uh, previous case uh, verbatim. And, and so they realized that at a later time, the girl was uh, removed to foster care. And uh, within a season of her uh, assignment to foster care, she recanted everything in her testimony against the man and the case was dropped. Uh, wow. The uh, the local paper covered it uh, very well, and uh, everybody moved on. Fortunately, no one held the, uh, the accusations, as sometimes happens. Uh, no one held the accusations against the man. He was able to go on with his business and uh, and just move forward with his life. Okay, so the media the, in that case, in your opinion, was. Neutral? Well, they seem to be. They reported uh, when it came up, and uh, they did not uh, make big headlines about it. They simply reported that it happened. Uh, they reported the results of the case, and uh, uh, that was part of why they were able to move on from there. Okay, so they they kind of in your in your view they they covered all the. All the facts of the case, as far as I could tell, yes. And uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is the Tribune Democrat again. No, 
No, oh. it was another paper in Indiana County. Uh, the county oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, you obviously did this uh, series, this five-part series, and uh, the editor there uh, put out a uh, article identifying the responses to your series, right? That's right. Okay. And then he most recently... Um, came out with a an editorial piece uh, using the Sandusky case as a like jump off or telling people about it's child abuse. It's an interesting way he did it. Uh, it actually was not an editorial, uh, and it was not uh, published by any Tribune reporter. Oh. Uh, it was uh, as a headline. Uh, a headline article on the front page, uh, and it was written by someone representing the Tribune's ownership, the parent company. And, oh. uh, and uh, of course, when he and when Mr. Minnemeyer and I got in a discussion about it, and I said, I'd like to respond to that article, he said, well, why do you have to? It's not about the case, it's about people's uh, responsive uh, uh, reporting procedures. And I said, well, the case has a lot to do with how those reporting procedures have changed and not all not altogether for the better. So, but uh, have you, I, have you, I, I saw your email exchange with him where he was questioning why you would want to respond, which is kind of crazy. Um, have, have you, uh, and you, Hope to respond to his uh, uh, his email to you. I would like to submit the article, a full length article that unpacks more thoroughly uh, why that was not a good uh, uh, preface for changing the uh, approach to uh, reporting. And um, <clears throat> I have a choice: either he'll give me permission to. Uh, submit their article, which right now doesn't look like it's going to happen. Or I can write a limited 250 word uh, letter to the editor and try to make the point there. I suspect at this point that that would be my only option. Um, do you, has he talked to you about uh, responding to that at all? I mean, has he said no to that? He hasn't responded at all. Oh. Hmm. Um. It, you know, just just knowing what you told me before and then how that's progressed, it certainly sounds like he, you know, and we, we touched on this a little bit, he hasn't taken the totality of the circumstances and all the facts that have been developed subsequent to the initial media freakout uh, into account. Oh, I don't. I don't have the impression that he ever did, unless, of course, in my recent response to him, uh, imploring him to let me respond to the article, uh, I asked him point blank whether he uh, read any of the sources. And I mentioned both of you and and Mark Pendergrass and some others. Uh, I never have gotten the impression that he has uh, uh, explored any of those options at all. Did he respond to you? No. Oh, 
Um, so now I, I can certainly understand what you talked about before in regard to the, the media being a neutral party and gathering the facts and determining, you know, reporting on the facts, um, which clearly hasn't been the case in the Penn State case. Um, and Ralph has personal personal knowledge of that and he's 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 reported the facts um and anybody that wants to read the facts in regard to the Sandusky case you can uh, do that by going to bigtrial.net um Ralph can you tell us what your impression is of uh uh Joe's interaction with the uh the editor there <laughs> Well, uh, it sounded really good until this last go around. I mean, I think it's impressive that although you and the editor totally disagreed on the facts in the Sandusky case that he encouraged you to write and then he published a five part series that totally disagrees with him. I mean, that's pretty commendable in today's media climate. But the fact that he's not responding to you now, you know, in this latest go around, I guess that's the behavior I'm way more familiar with. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Joe, what can you um, tell us just roughly what your your uh, response is going to be? Can you summarize that? You mean uh, the response I prepared? Yeah, yeah. Well, I started with the uh, McQuarrie episode because uh, that seemed so badly botched up. It. Uh, they basically, the McQuarrie episode, the, a, an event was publicized that was actually not McQuarrie's actual witness. It was uh, written into his mouth uh, by apparently somebody involved with the prosecution. And, uh, and then it was leaked to the press. And, uh, and then if they didn't have enough information, they found a way to embellish it and use that as if it were evidence. Uh, they did that, of course, with uh, victim eight in the series also, uh, where they actually had uh, a witness say the contrary of the accusation and uh, they buried that. Uh, so what I'm sensing is that, uh, and what I wanted to say uh, in the article was that uh, this has really caused uh, a complication in processing uh, anybody's testimony because now the public feels engaged. They are required to make reports and uh, that's jamming the system in terms of assessing where the truth is. And uh, the, the departments responsible are crying that they're uh, glutted with uh, things that they cannot process. Um, and then, I think it's uh, also incumbent on the system that is the prosecutorial and the investigative system uh, to demonstrate that they'll handle responsibly what they are given and not embellish it or invent something. Um, with these complications as a, as a result of how badly the Sandusky case was handled, actually the situation is at least as bad and in some ways worse uh, because now we we feel like if we don't tell people what they want to know, they'll embellish it and maybe use it against uh, the people who are witnessing. Um, and we don't know whether the truth will ever be pursued because it uh, 
a detour to the truth was pursued in this case. Has, has uh, you know, going back and recalling what uh, Chip uh, wrote, has he ever uh, referenced the rampant prosecutorial misconduct and subsequent discipline of of the uh, prosecutors in the case? Has he ever touched on that? Never. That's just appalling. I can't really understand uh, understand how you can pretend to be covering the the story for your subscribers and readers and fail to point that out. I mean, you know, the uh, the false grand jury presentment, and then the rampant prosecutorial misconduct. But he hasn't addressed either one of those of what he's put out. No, and you know, I was on a, uh, still am, I guess, on a citizens advisory committee that the uh, it, that Minnemeyer has set up. I went to uh, the uh, meeting back in uh, 2000, 2020 with the book at hand, and uh, some of the uh, some of the committee members said uh, they thought that uh, this was a helpful piece, and that they thought that I, I don't want to make myself out anything special here but they said it was courageous to publish well that was nice of them to hear they many of them were uh, appreciating what was done and Minnemeyer simply told a story about how he visited the, uh, the courthouse one day in the trial up in Center County and the uh, that Sandusky looks guilty to him that's about all he's ever oh said God. He's, he didn't, oh yes Oh, you know, could have saved a lot of time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, That's unbelievable. So, um, uh, I mean, can you just imagine how many other, you know, things are uh, manipulated like that? Particularly in a small town newspaper. That's insane. Yeah. I, I, one more thing that I think is... Uh, uh, Tough, but has to be acknowledged by the public in more uh, in more profile than they have given, and that is that. Well, Minnemeyer wrote largely defending one of the local cases that was indeed uh, proven, that uh, and he was I think under pressure by the local uh, witnesses. He said we have to believe the victims in every circumstance. Well. In the case I described to you from uh, seven years ago, we couldn't, if we don't dare believe that victim. In fact, she recanted everything she said, and we can pretty well tell where the uh, testimony came from. Uh, I'm sure that's not the first case in history uh, where something that, like that has happened. Anybody who's experienced in these kinds of cases knows that unfortunately, tragically, uh, you cannot depend on people to always tell the truth. It doesn't mean they're trying to mislead or guide you if they're very young, but uh, you can't just assume that uh, because somebody says it, it must be true. Yeah, I just, oh my God. I mean, you know, I, so, I mean, they, the publication you're talking about kind of got it right in regard to that girl that uh, was reiterating her circumstances from a previous incident to make it fit the one that she was, the new incident, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, but I mean, they did they did look at that, but on along the same lines, McQuarrie's alleged statements in the grand jury presentment, he himself said they were wrong and manipulated mm-hmm. by the prosecutors. But does anywhere Chip Minmeyer address that? So far, I've not heard anything from him that even acknowledges that was the case. Okay, so in the big picture, he's just reiterating what the the big media narrative. Yes. Uh, not checking any facts or anything. No. I did get the impression when we <clears throat> dialogued after these uh, items were published that uh, I did get the impression that he had some pressure from the owners of the paper, the newspaper chain, uh, to take at least a neutral stand on it, uh, which I th- think he was happy to do. But I do think he had some pressure from above. I mean, don't... Uh... I mean, we have the we have the uh, benefit of having Ralph here, and he's got like forty plus years of investigative reporting. I mean, you know, I would think that a person that works for a newspaper is an inquisitive curiosity. You know, they're they're curious, they're inquisitive. Like, well, what the hell happened to that? Excuse my French, but I mean, what happened to that? What we're not uh, curious about what the actual facts are. I mean, what. Is, is that what I mean? That's what I'm hearing. Are you asking me? Yeah. Well, my impression, I guess, and I don't know. My impression is just one person's impression, but I, I have a feeling that uh, journalism has been largely across the board kind of dumbed down. That there are fewer people who have that curiosity and that hunger to investigate than we had a generation ago. That's just my impression. That would be a correct impression. (laughs) As evidenced by the Krasner, by Larry Krasner (laughs) in Philadelphia. That's a big newspaper, Um, much bigger than 18,775. But uh, they're like the... uh, the um, mouthpiece for uh, in Philadelphia. I mean, Joe, I don't know if you know this, but uh, um, there's a defense attorney uh, masquerading as district attorney in Philadelphia, and his name is is uh, Larry Krasner, and he seems to uh, be uh, favoring criminals at every turn, and they have the highest homicide rate on the planet in Philadelphia. So uh, he's doing a hell of a job down there. Uh, facetiously anyway um so i i i just get the impression that across the board you can't really trust anything that the uh the media is going to tell you i mean even in a small newspaper that that, which is very disturbing i mean you know you would think that you would be able to trust your local media outlets to be inquisitive and curious but I get the impression from your experience that they're just, um, you know, 
mouthing the opinions of big media. Yes, on the big media level. Now, to his credit, I think Minnemeyer has uh, taken on local issues and shown a little more cu curiosity and a little more challenge on the local issues at times. Say, Do you mean outside the hotel openings and local sports? Yes, he's, he's, written, he's yeah. written articles challenging some of the uh, positions of local um, politicians. Oh. Asking them to come clean on some of the issues that have uh, emerged here as in other, elsewhere. Um, he's done that. He's uh, come out in favor of vaccination. Um, and I think. Uh, well, there's a risky stance. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this area, it's probably more risky than some. Okay. But at least he doesn't. We're totally in tune with what the mainstream media would have you believe, so. Well, he certainly has been in, in tune with, uh, Sandusky just seems to be a toxic name. And uh, he, like many people, seems to be afraid to uh, tread where angels don't. And uh, again, I think he has some pressure to keep it that way. Well, you, you know, I, I just uh, recalled, uh, he was the uh, editor of the Center Daily Times when this whole thing went went down. Were you aware of that, Joe? I wasn't, no. I moved okay. into this area after he became uh, the editor-in-chief in Johnstown. Okay. When he was, and then he went from State College to Johnstown, which seems very odd to me. Um, anyway, uh, he, he wrote some editorials, if I understand it correctly, he wrote some editorials um, in the uh, Center Daily Times that were um, didn't particularly take into account all the facts of the case and um, were damning for the three administrators uh, who were charged with misdemeanor crimes. And we, if we take it any further, um, you know, they spent millions of dollars uh, prosecuting misdemeanor crimes, which is, uh, you know, a hideous example of the use of political power to to uh, hurt your uh, adversaries. But uh, I mean, he when, when he was in State College at the Center Daily Times, he came out with uh, editorials that were uh, lacking the fact facts, not not unlike his uh, editorials in the the Tribune Democrat now, where he's mouthing big media. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, it's just a, it's just a, appalling to me. I mean, I was talking to somebody that's a regular newspaper person, and they said that nowadays the local paper is, you know, their biggest, uh, their biggest thing is uh, local sports, you know, youth sports, because people, you know, they want to see their kids in the newspaper. But uh, when they have an opportunity to, do you think he brought up this, uh, do you think in your mind that he allowed you to put that five series, five uh, part series in the newspaper for, you know, clicks beyond the hotel openings and local sports? It's possible. I don't know. Um, it's, it actually surprised me that he did. To put it in. Um, 
I half wondered if he's doing it because we had developed up to that point uh, some civil discourse, and I thought it was maybe giving me the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know for sure. Uh, it puzzles me because he's never really wanted to put his hands on the series ever since it's been published. Jeez. So how are the other people on the, you're on the a board, right? For yeah. The, it's called the Citizen, yeah. Yeah, well, Citizen what, Advisory Board. What are, what are the other people's uh, input in regard to the blatant disregard of facts in, in these editorials? Um, they never got into it. Um, oh. I, I really don't know what they thought. They, they complimented me, though, at me just been a politeness, but in at least two cases around the table, I'd say they it was sincere. They really thought it was well done and uh, they thought it was courageous for the paper to print it. They were glad they did. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. But no they doubt. didn't get in they didn't get into the uh, the issues. I'm not sure whether Minnemeyer didn't give much time to do that part. He wanted their feedback about the well, uh, if I get I get the impression that uh, by him doing that by him allowing you to do a five-part series on it, it really kind of uh, piqued interest and I think we talked about before that uh, the response was 50 50 generally and then mm -hmm. and then uh, Min Meyer wrote uh, an article relative to the responses to that is that right that's right okay so but i'm appalled and ralph maybe you can address this i'm appalled by the fact that i mean big media you know they have a they have a a narrative that they follow but you know i used to have faith in the local media to be able to you know use their curiosity to get the facts. I mean, what the hell is going on? I mean, are they just mouthing now everything that the big media tells them to do? You're asking me, John? Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> easy for you. Yes. There's, look, there's a lot of fear around this topic. I mean, John, you've sat in on a couple recent meetings. Um, I've had the unique experience, Joe, of um, trying to peddle a second look at the Sandusky case to um, a couple documentary producers, uh, one in this country, one outside, two in this country, one outside this country. John and I recently had a meeting with a network um, investigative uh, um, um, editor who oversaw that network's investigative work. And, um, you know, and I've talked to uh, my local radio stations, sports stations, I've pitched this to several magazines. I've pitched this to uh, some famous um, muckraking journalists. And there's great fear about this topic. Nobody wants to be in a position to attack sex abuse victims, um, alleged sex abuse victims. They're you know, viewed as sacred cows. So this is like a, you know the third rail or whatever. It's radioactive. Nobody wants to touch it. So, and we all know that none of the allegations in this very notorious case were ever vetted by anyone. So nobody can say with any certainty 
beyond the circus of a trial that took place, you know, whether these victims or alleged victims are telling the truth or not. And, and as somebody who's read through all of their allegations as submitted in the civil courts, uh, you know, I wouldn't believe any of them. I mean, they, all of them should be investigated uh, because as John has frequently noted, the details of every crime evolved. The locations, uh, you know, incidents, uh, who was there, who wasn't there. All the details have changed. In many cases, the crimes escalated as the story went on and it progressed through the criminal courts to the civil courts where these gentlemen stood a good chance of getting paid. And, and so, you know, there's just a no, you know, we never had these people in the large part were not examined by forensic psychiatrists. They weren't questioned by lawyers. Um, we didn't hire private investigators to look into it, any of these allegations. So it's all unfounded. So that's, you know, so you've got the fear and then you've got, uh, to, you know, Penn State didn't do its job. I, I just can't understand why inquisitive investigative reporters that they're I mean, there's hardly any of them left would would say, whoa, yeah. I mean, uh, my first question would be is if if all this is true, why do they have to sink to prosecutorial misconduct on an epic level to uh, satisfy their prosecutorial goals? I mean, doesn't doesn't anybody even on the local level, I mean, look at it and say, Oh my God, look at all this prosecutorial misconduct. Why did they have to do that if this case is clear cut? Right. Why'd they have to go, um, you know, send out a search party for victims? You know, if yeah. he truly was a pedophile, they would have been lined up around the corner. A pedophile is in a small town, you know, for 40 years doing the, these crimes. People should have been lined up around the corner. There's a lot of logical questions that were never asked. And look, I, I never thought about any of this until as a reporter, I had to cover um, the, a scandal in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, where we had a former altar boy come forward in 2011, the exact same year of the Sandusky case. And he claimed that he had been serially raped and abused by three priests, two priests and a school teacher. And uh, he sent all three of those gentleman to jail. One of them died there, handcuffed to a hospital bed, still protesting his innocence. And the supervisor in the archdiocese, the Monsignor, for the first time in the, in the country, was sent to jail for not properly supervising these guys. Well, you know, I bought the whole story lock, stock, and barrel. And then when the trial ended, I started digging into a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, upset me that, oh my God, you know, did we consider this? Did we consider that? To make a long story short, it turned out that the older boy made the entire story up and he admitted it to the lead invest, the lead detective for the district attorney's office. He admitted he made the whole story up. And he not only did he send four guys to jail, one of whom died there, but um, he uh, also got a five million dollar civil settlement from the Catholic Church. So and, and the story was complete BS made up by a drug addict who was just looking to get himself out of jail. And as you know, Joe and John, that sort of thing happens. But, um, you know, again, the, the, the sex abuse victim is a sacred cow. You know, we have to believe the victims. It, it's, 
And as far as the curiosity that you're talking about amongst journalists, um, I got to tell you that I haven't seen too much of it. You know, there's a reason why I'm a blogger and, you know, why I had to leave my newspaper. I mean, there's very little intellectual curiosity among the journalists of this country. They're sheep, as far as I'm concerned, the vast majority of them. Oh, my God. With that, with the, with the Catholic Church thing, I mean, was there anybody, any other news entities besides yourself that reported on what the guy, what his no. story was? Absolutely nobody. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I, luckily, I had, um, I found an editor at Newsweek, one of the best editors I ever had, and he had covered as a reporter the Martin preschool case out in California. Uh, which uh, was completely uh, a, a complete travesty. And, and so he was familiar with how, you know, sex abuse cases can be miscovered by the media. And, and I got to say, by the way, there's a very amusing thing about Pennsylvania. We had, Pennsylvania must be the sex abuse capital of the universe. I mean, we had three enormous wow. cases go off in the same time frame. We had the uh, Archdiocese of Philadelphia, case which went around the world, made international headlines. We had uh, the Sandusky case, which went around the world. And then we had the Bill Cosby case, uh, which- Oh, that's know, right. Oh, that's right. Sort of trumped all of them. And we have, we have total prosecutorial misconduct in all three. That's what unites them all. Cosby, you know, should have had a deal with the district, the first district attorney that he dealt with that if he cooperated and gave a civil deposition, um, he wouldn't be indicted. And he had that promise from the prosecutor. And uh, that's why he gave the deposition, admitted what he had done to this woman, and around, wound up paying her at least $3 million. And, you know, okay, we may not like what Bill Cosby was up to, drugging women, but, um, you know, according to our legal system, that's the end of it. You know, the the district attorney at the time didn't think he could make a successful prosecution because he didn't, you know, the victim was entirely credible and there was a lot going on there. They had hundreds of phone calls between the two of them. Her mother was involved, you know, so he didn't know whether he could win this in front of the jury. So he made his deal. And then another prosecutor came along who happened to be running for election and he decided, let's throw that deal out the window. And let's go, you know, everybody will applaud if I put Bill Cosby in jail. Well, you know, it was unconstitutional, has been determined subsequently. Yeah. And, and the same thing has happened in the Archdiocese case. That was prosecutorial misconduct out the wazoo. We had a district attorney, Seth Williams, who subsequently went to jail for corruption, who decided that, you know, the Catholic Church was guilty. Uh, there wasn't any, you know, all we needed was a victim to come up with a story and we were going to go after the Catholic Church. And so they rode with the stories of uh, this victim without vetting it. And they, you know, filed the indictment. So we had the indictment first and then we had the investigation when they brought in a, de a detective to check it out and get it ready for trial. He discovered that everything the altar boy had alleged was completely false, was contradicted by every other witness in the case including the school, uh, the uh, nuns and priests and teachers at the school, and this kid's own parents and his brother, who was also an altar boy at the same school, was completely contradicted. So, I mean, you know, and in the Penn State case, it's just as much a travesty of 
prosecutorial misconduct. So, you know, if we had a thinking society and, and a thinking press, they'd be saying, gee, we had three major cases of sex abuse in Pennsylvania, the sex abuse capital of the world, and every one of them was fucked up, you know, due to prosecutorial yeah. misconduct. Is that something worth examining? Oh, no, let's just, you know, continue on. Uh, but unfortunately, like like Joe mentioned with his, uh, you know, his an example when we first started out in his uh, his parish where it was resolved and, and nobody, excuse me, I think Joe said that nobody uh, suffered in the long term because facts were developed and, you know, reported and, you know, it, as you would expect in a... Uh, you know, in a, in a just society, in 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 the Penn State case, I mean, you've got you've got circumstances of child abuse. If you really look at the case, and you you know, um, you you've delved into it um, significantly more than anybody else. I mean, none of those uh, claims uh, hold water. Uh, and the big overarching thing is corruption. I mean, it was. In my view, it, you can boil it down to political corruption and uh, seeking, uh, um, uh, you know, being vindictive and uh, uh, seeking revenge. And uh, well, but nobody reports on that. What the hell is that? You know, certainly when you've got one individual who was first the attorney general and then becomes the governor and may have political motives. Yeah, that's something to look at, but nobody has. But uh, Joe, I, I think your experience is uh, <laughs> somewhat better than the typical one. I mean, you were actually allowed to publish what you had and uh, you know, it was aired. I guess your editor at some point decided, well, we've had enough of this, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at least you were able to get your, you know, your story too, too out much, Too much truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'd well, like now <laughs> I like to think that that could have set a precedent for others to have done the same. I don't hear that it has, but that was my hope uh, when I published it. Well, any thinking person looking at all the misconduct in this case and the complete insane rush to judgment in the media malpractice, you know, this case has gone on for 10 years and no one in the media has had the guts to take a second look at what happened. And everyone that I have personally talked to, editors, reporters, at newspapers, television stations, radio stations, documentary producers, they are all uniformly afraid as hell of touching the story with a 10 foot pole. And the other problem is they would all have to admit that they got it wrong. Mm -hmm. The media likes to view itself as infallible. So, that's why, you know, but I mean, any thinking person would look at, I mean, when you look at the fact that every, you know, every prosecutor in the case is tainted, every judge in the case is tainted, okay? Um, the defense lawyers are tainted. The, the mental, you know, the, the, the psychiatrists are tainted. Oh my God, yeah. The cops are tainted. The investigators weren't trained in sex abuse. I mean, I, we could go on and on, and I'm sure you guys could add more to this. But I'm saying there's just so many questions. That there's just no reason to believe the prevailing narrative. They, you know, they did everything wrong, but they got it right in the mm -hmm. end. And mm -hmm. nobody would believe that. 
Yeah, what is that? It's crazy. Oh my God. It's just. Uh, and it used to be the job of the media back when I started 40 years ago and I was an impressionable young man. It, we, I used to think that this was our job to do these sorts of things, but now, you know, everyone's afraid to do that. And God help you if you say the wrong thing, if you, you know, express the wrong opinion, you know, everyone's afraid. So you've just got a culture of fear. Um, you know, I mean, 40 years ago when I started the, the you know, Watergate era, the, the prevailing thought pattern was question everything that everyone tells you. I mean, yeah, I had the fortune of working for the editor who was Woodward and Bernstein's editor during Watergate. And he used to tell us, if your mother tells you she loves you, check it out. That was the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, and, you know, but now it's, you know, just there's just a total lack of intellectual curiosity. And there's a suffocating uh, prevailing viewpoint that the media writes from. And it is of the progressive Democrat. It pervades everything. And anyone who disagrees with it is either crazy, you know, a conspiracy nut, or, or you know, somebody who's a reprobate or a deplorable. It just, it's the worst atmosphere I've ever seen. You know, it plots like a plane crash when I plot the course of journalism in my 40 years. And it. it's very depressing. I hope the pastor business has been better. <laughs> well, it has its tendencies too. But uh, I don't think anything uh, quite matches this one. Um, I do this case. Hope, this case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's it's a it's a it's a toxic waste dump. Yeah. I uh, I do hope in in going forward, and I mentioned this in the previous uh, uh, interview also that. You know, I'm curious why Josh Shapiro uh, went went after um, the people he did and uh, uh, and said nobody is above the law. And yet the Penn State officers came to the same conclusion that Dr. Dreydov came to, and he was never uh, taken to task for the conclusion he came to. I don't think he was... Uh, uh, reprobated or anything he just uh well you know can i cut to the chase on that sure yeah uh dr dranoff didn't piss off uh tom corbett <laughs> that's, that's really what... i'm glad i'm glad you said that because that's pretty much i think where it goes i but mean it's a, it's a it's it's for, uh josh shapiro who sadly went to the University of Rochester, they must be really embarrassed. But I don't know where he went to law school, but they didn't focus on constitutional law at all. And, you know, it's a big boys club. If you look at this case, you've got Tom Corbett, who used to be Attorney General of Pennsylvania. Then you've got Mike Fisher, who was the uh, Attorney General of Pennsylvania. And now you've got Josh Shapiro. And it's a big club. You know what I mean? So Josh Shapiro is, you know, perme or, uh, Fulfilling the vendetta of Tom Corbett. And is Mike Fisher doing the same? Absolutely. Because now he's uh, he's on the uh, federal circuit court, and he's the guy that uh, um, decided that uh, Graham Spaniard's uh, overturned uh, conviction uh, would stick. Well, what does that tell you? I mean, do you need a... Do you need, 
I mean, do you need a flow chart to understand this? I mean, you know, you've got Tom Corbett, Attorney General, Mike Fisher, Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, Attorney General, and they're all follow, um, falling in line with what Corbett uh, intended to do to uh, satisfy his vindictiveness. I mean, how difficult is that to see? And, and according, you know, and contrary to what Shapiro says about nobody's above the law, certainly he and his office, his prosecutors are above the law. They've never been adequately punished for their <laughs> widespread and, and outrageous unconstitutional misconduct. They, there's never been any sensible investigation of all the leaks that Frank Fina, the deputy attorney general, you know, who ran these investigations was involved in. He, he's clearly above the law, and he's also a career politician. I happen to know him, um, have interviewed him on a couple of things, and you know, it just what he's saying is utter nonsense. Well, I, I think I, I mean we're we're heading towards a, a, you know he wants to be governor. That's it. He doesn't know anything about. I think. I guess he went to law school, but it didn't do him any good. I mean, he uh, he intends to be uh, running for governor, right? I mean, that's the that's he's the whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah, he's absolutely running yeah. for governor. And look, sex, sex abuse sells with the public. I mean, one of the big things he did in his office was a big investigation of the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania, and I, I went through that report and said, you know, his. His grand jury report should have been featured on the History Channel because two thirds of the guys <laughs> he wrote about were yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he went back to like to the 1930s and 40s and, and was you know, <laughs> reindicting these guys for. You know. <laughs> oh my god! You came out with an article on that where it's yeah. the History Channel, and I was laughing my ass off. I mean, that was that was very. I funny. compared it to digging up a graveyard, an ecclesiastic <laughs> graveyard, which is what he did. You know, it just. <laughs> but he'll do anything for votes. He's a craven politician. No, oh, and sex abuse sells. So he's never going to take a second look at what? the Jerry Sandusky case and what his prosecutors did wrong. He, you know, he doesn't want to touch that. Well, the the you know it looks like we're heading, yeah, it looks like we're heading towards. Uh, him running for governor and Bill McSwain, William McSwain, the former U.S. attorney in Philadelphia, who uh, had uh, some very significant things to say about uh, the uh, corruption in Karasner's office, um, would be facing him. It looks like, right? I mean, it wouldn't. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't it be coming down to McSwain versus uh, yes, you know Shapiro and. Yeah, it, it and I got to say that Josh Shapiro has also been on the receiving end of a steady bunch of uh, miscreants from Krasner's own office who have been accused of crimes. You know, I, I could go on and on, but the, Krasner had a gun counselor who uh, shot a male prostitute during office oh, hours yeah. that he had a rendezvous with, and Shapiro decided it wasn't murder. And, uh, you know, then there was the uh, ADA who broke into his girlfriend, the stripper's apartment and stole porn that he had co-starred in and Shapiro decided not to prosecute him. Uh, there were several others. I mean, oh, and then there was the ADA who left her kid unattended in, in the car right. and Shapiro right. decided he wasn't gonna prosecute her. It's a lengthy list where, you know, Josh just keeps 
rubber stamping all the miscreants in Krasner's office. And there are plenty of them. I mean, a roster of them would be, you know, pretty impressive. Uh, so, you know, I, I have no faith in Josh Shapiro. He's yeah. just another politician. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, people, uh, I wish people would understand that he's just uh, fulfilling uh, Corbett's vendetta in their big club of, you know, vindictiveness. So anyway, well, hey, Joe, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with us. Um, it's a uh, very interesting how that's unfolded and how a small town editor just disregards the fact. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I would be, if I was a reader, I would go, oh my God, man, I, I can't, can I, can I believe anything that's coming out of that place? I mean, it's shocking. I mean, I would, I would expect that the editor would be very inquisitive as opposed to, and faced with the facts that you provided in your five-part series, you know, examining those facts, not just rubber stamping the uh, big media take on the whole thing. I mean, it's just, it's exceptionally depressing. Joe, do you have any personal uh, proof that uh, your editor actually read the stories that you sent him? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know when they came across his desk, he covered his eyes and ears. I I, I wish I did. I, I I really do. I've been encouraged, you know, with our idealistic hope for the reader. How many people have stopped me in the street and uh, uh, recognized my name and said, "I read your articles. Please keep them coming." Um, uh, you know, people in the street, some of them around here do care. And uh, they're doing some thinking. And uh, that's a hope. Well, maybe get, too many of those people uh, bumped into your editor and told them the same thing. I hope so. He got worried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You remember the, the old Simpsons show where uh, I used to watch it with my kids when the independent thought alarm used to go off at the school <laughs> and the principal used to have to run through the corridors and find out which student was engaged in independent thinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's what journalism is. Oh well, uh, again, uh, I appreciate you guys being with us today. Um, Joe Stain's uh, five series, uh, five part series article entitled uh, Re Reconsidering Santusky can be found. All you have to do is, uh, you know, Google Joe Staines and Reconsidering Sandusky because uh, there's a lot of, uh, of facts in that uh, series that, uh, you know, uh, editors apparently hide their eyes from. So, and of course, uh, Ralph Cipriano has a, a bigtrial.net and if you want uh, some eye-opening articles that uh, just are incredible, they just keep push. He just keeps pushing them out, and uh, the truth is, is uh, you know, stranger than fiction when it comes to uh, what the hell's going on in Philadelphia. So, uh, uh, if you want to listen, if you want to read what is really happening in Philadelphia, uh, get on BigTrial.net and read Ralph's stuff. Because it's uh, incredible. Anyway, I, I really appreciate uh, 
you, uh, Joe, you being with us, and Ralph, thank you very much. Okay. Can I say, can I say real quickly, thanks yes. to you guys and people like you for what you do. Thank you. You're welcome, Joe. I think you're now one of us since you, uh, <laughs> you've crossed over. Well, that would be an honor. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Hey, hey, thanks much. We'll, we'll try to, I, Joe, I'll tell you what, if you are able to respond to the uh, editor in some fashion, can you please keep us up to date and we'll have you back on and we'll discuss that. Okay, sure. Okay. Thanks. Hey. Hey, thank, uh, Ralph, can you just give an idea, give us an idea of what you're working on right now? I mean, uh, what disaster is happening now? Well, we, we have many disasters in Philadelphia. We have our mayor, who's a complete disaster, and with our police commissioner, who we appointed, who's a complete disaster. And then, of course, there's our district attorney. But today I happened to write about a, uh, a couple of very brave cops who have started a career in blogging, and they've uh, dedicated themselves to writing the true story of our illustrious police commissioner who, uh, let's just say, uh, doesn't inspire confidence. She was a, a token hire. She checked all the right boxes, but these cops who dug into her background discovered that she has absolutely zero patrol experience. And, um, you know, she hasn't told the truth on some occasions and, and many other discrepancies. So I uh, put all of their material out today and gave them credit for uh, you know, I guess what we need, Joe, I mean, we've got the cops doing it and you've got you doing it. We need citizens to come forward and start doing the job that journalists uh, exactly. don't want to do anymore. And you too, John. You know? Yeah. That's what we need. Well, there's enough people, uh, at least in Johnstown, covering uh, hotel openings, local sports and, uh, you know, Leonard Skinner concerts and fishing. But, you know, we, we got to we got to open. uh their horizons up. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, uh, thank you very much for those those updates, and we'll have you guys on again. We're, we're greatly appreciative, and it's very eye-opening. Okay? Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Good to see you.